The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. How do you view your own success? Are you leading with compassion or are you considered ruthless? There is plenty of room for both types of leaders, but the best way to lead successfully is to balance boldness and integrity, using kindness and compassion to earn respect. Combine this with a go-getter, visionary, and aggressive drive to stay competitive. Welcome to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour with Kathy Fairbanks. We'll use the ideas heard today and in this series to help you use every advantage to achieve the best end result. Now, here's your host, Kathy Fairbanks. Hello and welcome to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. I am your host, Kathy Fairbanks, and delighted that you've decided to join us today. For those of you first-time listeners, I want to cover off on what this term, Compassionate Samurai, actually means. Now, that was a term developed by the founder and um, president of Clemmer and Associates several decades ago, and Brian Clemmer developed or coined that term, the Compassionate Samurai, because what he noticed often were business people out there in the world who had a warrior-like spirit, but they weren't conducting business necessarily with integrity. And he had the brilliant idea of what happens if you marry up that warrior-like spirit to compassion and let those two traits really do a fine dance together. And that is proof in the pudding where you can actually lead with integrity and not be a doormat. And today, we're going to focus with our special guest, Marilyn King, and I'll get to Marilyn in just a moment. Marilyn really exhibits some key traits of what a true, compassionate samurai is. Her level of commitment to her Olympic sport is like no other, and she certainly had to bring boldness, which is another compassionate samurai trait to the game of the Olympics, as well as boldness. And so, with with boldness, and commitment and just general knowledge. Marilyn has really transformed from an Olympic athlete to a world-renowned inspirational speaker as well as consultant. So let me tell you about a little bit more about our guest Marilyn King today. She is an Olympic athlete with human performance that is exceptional. She was preparing for her third Olympic team in her grueling event, It's a five-event pentathlon, so not one event, but five, all wrapped up into one. And while she was preparing for that event, she suffered suffered in an auto accident that left her unable to physically train for the Olympic trials. Now, miraculously, and she's going to share with us the process she went through to actually place second in these 1980 Olympics. It is a powerful story. Now, from that, she was able to take the thinking that transformed her 
and is applying these skills out there into the regular business world where this high achiever thinking is made available to all of us. And that's a true gift to the business community. So over the last 30 years, Marilyn has partnered with Fortune 500 companies who seek to empower their employees and to make sure that they're embracing change and also aspire to provide global leadership, which is so important in the world today. Marilyn, welcome to our show. Oh, thank you so much, Kathy. I'm delighted to be here. And I have to say I love uh, Brian's compassionate samurai and marrying those two together. And when people really understand uh, how important uh, the heartfelt, heart-based mission that matters part is to success, as well as developing kind of those, the, whatever the particular warrior traits you need, uh, putting those two together was really brilliant. So I'm delighted to be here, and that work really mirrors my own. So thank you for inviting me. Well, it surely does. And I tell you, the compassionate samurai, it's just not a concept or a term. It's actually a way of life. And it's an everyday way of life. It's not, oh, next month, I'm going to work on honesty, and I'm going to put abundance on hold until December. And then in March, I'll work with boldness. You get to to cultivate or the invitation basically is to cultivate these 10 traits of a compassionate samurai and incorporate those into your daily practice. Yeah, there's there's no part-time samurai or part-time Olympian. <laughs> <laughs> no, there isn't. So let's speak to the Olympian in you because I think in some in some to some degree we all have an Olympic spirit within our DNA. And I would love and I know that listeners would too who are not familiar with your journey uh when you were a little girl growing up, I don't know, did you have aspirations to get into the Olympics or what was the evolution? of that process. Yeah, um, I sometimes call myself an accidental Olympian, uh, which takes people by surprise. But I wound up uh, having the aha about the Olympics because um, I was basically a fairly shy kid and didn't do very well when my family moved uh, pretty regularly as, as part of a military service. And I had a very hard time making friends. Uh, and I discovered that if you went to sports after school, it was a good way to make friends. And then I happened to be at a track meet one day, and the Olympic Committee was there. And they said, we're hosting the Eastern States Pentathlon Championships, but only two girls have shown up. Would someone please volunteer? And so I didn't know what the five events were. Uh, There was the hurdles, shot put, high jump, long jump, and 800 meters. But I figured if I get through all five of them, that'd be good. So at the end of the day, I was the third best on the whole East Coast in something I hadn't heard of that morning. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you didn't have to necessarily publicize. There were three contestants, correct? Right, right. But the real shift came when uh, the following year I beat those two girls uh, when they showed up. And uh, my little town sent me to the national championship. And the Olympic Committee um, said they were going to invite some girls to the Olympic training camp. And among them, they did not invite me, but they invited two girls I had beaten. And I had what I now know, you call it a paradigm shift or cognitive dissonance. Um, My brain just said, wow, you know, one of those girls looks like she has great raw talent. And if they work with her, that would be good. But the other one, not only did I beat her, but I know I'm a better athlete than she is. So if the Olympic Committee thinks she can be in the Olympics, guess what my next thought was? 
Of course, of course. Well, and yeah. that competitive spirit was all, all around you. So what happened after that? Was it an immediate invitation that was extended to you, or, or how, did nope. th- how did it develop? Nope. I went back home, uh, you know, and I just was embarrassed to tell anyone that I had this idea that would not, I just couldn't shake it. Every time I kept thinking, oh, I know people who were faster and better, and don't be an idiot, you couldn't be in the Olympics. I had all of that little voice that a lot of us have that undermine us, but I kept going back to, but they invited someone, you know, who I'm better than. That means I could be in the Olympics. So it immediately changed my behavior. So I started having, you know, brand new thoughts uh, that led to new behaviors and led me, you know, to a a 20-year athletic career. Um, and the um, 72 Olympics, the 76 Olympics, and then the story that you alluded to when I was injured in training for my third Olympic team. Wow. Well, I would love to hear more about the thinking that took place because um, I have a feeling you connected your heart with your head and uh, created, obviously, huge success out of this. Would you share with us uh, how the thinking transpired and, and really supported you in making the, the team? Yeah, um, there are really two things. One, uh, when I was still in high school and had the crazy thought that I could be in the Olympics, uh, there were no girls doing track and field on, you know, on Staten Island. And, you know, I just realized that if I was going to be in the Olympics, going out once a week to Long Island was really not going to get it. And so, you know, I had someone make makeshift hurdles, and I stored them in a dilapidated garage across the street from a an abandoned track and use nail polish on the curb to mark them off. And mm. when it would get dark, I would tape, you know, a, a flashlight um, so that I could hurdle in the night and ha- let my parents, my parents let me get a dog so I could have someone to kind of race against every day out there on the track. And my point being here, you know, all the time I just kept thinking, you know, I could be in the Olympics, you know, maybe I could be in the Olympics and realizing that my current reality of not being able to train with a coach every day produced these new thoughts of things that I would have to do. And even though at that time I didn't know where to go to college in California, I knew I had to go to California and had to get a better job. So my point here is that, you know, the um, brain scientists now call this cognitive dissonance. The mind can't hold two conflicting beliefs at the same time. I could be in the Olympics and I'm stuck here on Staten Island, you know, um, your mind starts to bridge that gap with new thoughts that can lead to the new behaviors and increase the chance of the results. So that was really very, very pivotal, and I certainly didn't understand it back then in high school, but the real pivotal thing was um, training for my third Olympic team, which would have been 1980, and my car getting hit by a truck and sustaining a back injury that was misdiagnosed. And my brain, I just kept thinking it was a little tweak in my back, but, you know, I couldn't turn over, couldn't stand up, couldn't do the six to eight hours a day of training that I was accustomed to doing for almost 20 years. But I just had this one thought that said, you know, I'm getting better every day and I'll be in the top three at the Olympic trials. And week after week would go by a physical therapy and nothing was changing. And... Uh, after about six weeks of that, I thought, well, I have to do something. I'm getting better every day, and I will be in the top three. So I got films of the world record holders in all five of my events, and I watched them for what turned out to be hundreds of hours. And when I was bored with that, I would go stand on the track. And for you know almost two and a half months, all I would do is stand on the track for three or four hours 
in front of each one of my events, either imagining my training or my competition. Still not thinking I was going to be doing this the whole time. I'm thinking I'll, I'll be training next week. Sure. But we fast forward seven months, and I had them give me a, a Novocaine injection in my back, and I placed second at the Olympic trials without physical training for almost seven months. So I quit my coaching position at UC Berkeley, where I had had a year's leave of absence, uh, and just started to explore the field of exceptional human performance. And, you know, it was just crazy. How do ordinary people like me do something that's, you know, impossible? Right. If if, if someone had... Right, I hear that because if someone had clearly sketched all of this out for you, there is absolutely no way you could have and should have made that team if you if you didn't do all the prep and the performance. Now, how much do you think the previous two teams that you made, how much did that weigh into it just from the, the muscle memory um, as well as the visualization? Uh, if you were standing out on the track for three or four hours at a time, I'm guessing visualization played a huge part in that training. Yes, and, and that's exactly what I was doing. And, and visualization is a word that sometimes people mistake. It's a multi-sensory kind of image. I could smell the fresh-cut grass that's always present on, on, at, a, at a track meet. I could feel the increased wind resistance as I was accelerate down the runway in my mind. I could hear my footsteps. I could feel it kinesthetically. So it's a multi-sensory input on the sensory nervous system, the central nervous system. And I, you know, I'm not a scientist, but I've certainly studied a lot about this, but I'm, you know, quite confident that having already done, you know, almost 20 years worth of training in each one of those five events, that that certainly played a very important role. But at the same time, you can't compete against the best in this country and not train for seven months. Right, I hear that. Yeah. Well, Marilyn, we are already on our first break. And so what we're going to do is take a little break. When we come back, we're going to hear how this Olympian thinking can transfer over to business owners in order for you to start mapping out your journey for success as if you're an Olympic athlete at a world-class level. Stay tuned for more with Kathy Fairbanks and Marilyn King. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CIO Talk Radio, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experiences with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive. This means better care for customers and improves the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel, the bottom line in business talk. Great leaders today have certain capabilities that set them apart. These leaders have discovered transformational leadership. Now you can discover the same ideas, insights, and programs that have led them to success. Inside Transformational Leadership, hosted by Kate Ebner, is produced by Georgetown University's Institute for Transformational Leadership. We'll explore these stories and concepts every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. 
Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. are listening to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. To reach Kathy Fairbanks or her guest today, please call into our program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, the email address is kathy at compassionatesamuraishow.com. Now, back to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. Welcome back to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. Your host, Kathy Fairbanks. I'm joined today with Marilyn King. And Marilyn is a three-time Olympian in her specialty event, the pentathlon. And Marilyn was sharing with us today how she was actually able to take the thinking and the success of her training from the track and put those same Olympian thoughts, that Olympian thinking, from the track into the boardroom. So, Marilyn, share with us today, how have you been able to transfer these skill sets, literally from track and field world, into the boardroom with everyday business practices? Yeah, thank you. Uh, It was a pretty exciting uh, bridge, uh, leaving athletics, having had the experience I did, and and, um, really exploring the field of exceptional human performance and discovering, you know, laundry lists and hundreds of traits and qualities. But uh, a lot of them fell into the category of the thinking skills that I used. Uh, and back in the early 1980s, they were called imagery, visualization, and mental rehearsal, but some people called them voodoo California hot tub stuff back then. <laughs> but now with all of the brain research and neuroplasticity and, and all of that kind of stuff, we now really do have a way to understand what I experienced and how I was able to perform without physical training. So um, well, I got a grant and learned how to go out and teach that so that people could use it, and I found that it didn't work, that by itself it was not sufficient, despite the fact that what and how we think have the ability to impact every cell of our body, our performance, our future, and our collective future. I thought people would go crazy because uh, I got a grant to learn how to teach what I had done and then come to understand. But when it didn't work, I went back to the drawing board, and I thought, wow, this is really critically important and powerful stuff, but clearly not sufficient. So what I discovered, going back to the literature, was that I call it exceptional human performance is always passion-powered. The thinking skills by themselves are just a tool, but if there's no juice... You know, if there's no fuel in the tank, it's, it's not going to take you anywhere. And I did listen to the Jim Stovall uh, interview, and, and, you know, he was great. You know, he talked about, um, you know, what happened for him just because he was embarrassed about having to put a loaf of bread back, that he was just determined to not be poor anymore. So all of a sudden you could just hear the passion come up. 
and uh, then he put the thinking skills uh, into into play. So for me, um, understanding that, you know, people would say, well, Marilyn, you don't get it. There's passion and there's work, and never the twain shall meet. But over the years, I've really discovered that there are five kinds of, um, I would call them domains, uh, or reasons why people are passionate about their work. And, and we can talk about that in a moment if you like. But yes. the three things that I discovered that always have to be there, that the work has to be passion-powered, it's vision-guided, but then there's the action component. There has to be a game plan and daily practices and feedback. Um, so uh, anyone listening, if they'd like to, just uh, draw a little heart, or if you're using a, 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 a tech device, uh, you want to put a heart next to an, a little eye, a schematic of an eye, eyeball, uh, and then next to that, a little stick figure of a running person. And it's pretty easy to see that if you put your finger over the running person and you've got passion and vision but no action, you know, it's like a dreamer, very exciting and very visual, and you can see it and feel it, but, you know, you don't have a game plan or the feedback or the daily practices. If you move your finger to the middle one and cover the eye, you know, we know that there are people who are very passionate and very busy, but how they think about it is really not effective. Uh, They really don't understand how their mind works and how their thinking impacts their performance. And then if you move one more time over to the left and put your finger over the, uh, the heart, Um, You know, that's like, you know, you can do some goal setting so you can see what your goals are and have a good game plan and feedback. But if there's no real juice in the tank, it's, it's a prescription for moderate success as opposed to exceptional human performance and being able to mine what we're really capable of. So that's really, you know, kind of the, the, the underlying uh, foundational work that I do. Uh, and I'm happy to talk about, you know, any part of that, anywhere you'd like to go in terms of the clients that I work with. But, you know, each and every client I work with, the first part is an assessment because some organizations I work with are very passion-powered. Right, So we don't really need to do much work there except they might not be connected to it on a daily basis. So there may be some tweaking we need to do there so that they stay connected to you know, the why bother uh, kind of part of it. Sure, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes perfectly good sense because I know from time to time um, in in the global perspective at Clemmer & Associates, I'm often surprised by how a company has great passion for the work that they do. And when it moves on into the vision piece they get pretty stumped on how do we how do we get this vision board done? How do we get our goals accomplished? Um, and I was walking through the exercise that you just uh, suggested that we do and cover up an eye or cover up a heart or or the the person walking. And there were so many light bulb moments that went <laughs> on in my head with just yeah. that simple description uh, yeah. around the three. Do you call them the the three pillars of Olympian thinking? Oh, that's a great word. That works. Okay. Uh, and what we, what we realize is that if you look at those three things, there are times in our life when those are aligned and when they're not. And at the same moment, there are different areas of our life in which they might be aligned or not. That so makes sense. So it's a sense. really valuable tool. 
Yeah, that makes perfectly good sense. I know when I put my um, my hand over the little running person, uh, I realized, wow, this really represents um, something as if you're running in place. You're, you're not going to get anywhere unless you do take that action. So um, right. thank you for that visual. That was really powerful. Now, yeah. you also mentioned something about the five domains. I would love to hear about these five domains. Yeah, um, and it, it took a few years in the early stage because at the beginning, you know, when I moved from athletics into the business world, it wasn't really my world. But over the years, with people saying that, and I started doing my research and noticing, you know, I realized, you know, it's I happened to live near the Silicon Valley, and people were making a lot of money and were very passionate because of how much money they were making. But what we discover is that it's not a good long-term motivator, doesn't bring out the best in people, or necessarily bring out the best people. And at a certain point, it loses its luster in terms of a motivator. But, you know, uh, money can be, you know, something that creates passion uh, for some people. Um, of the five reasons, the second one I came across is when people are engaged in, you know, a product or a service that really matters to them. And I was thrilled to work with Apple Computer in some of their early days and, people working 80 hours and sleeping under their desks, they believed they could change the world if they put a funny, that funny little box on everybody's desk. So they were very passionate about what they were doing. Uh, the third category, it might not be the product or service. It might yeah, just be the Yeah, I can company. see that. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the third, it just might be, you know, the values and the quality of the company. You could be making a widget, but if the company does it with integrity, you know, you can really be really proud. And uh, I loved working with a team at IBM and finding out that the founder, T.J. Watson Sr., uh, created the company because he was passionately moved by the notion of world peace through world trade, that we would not bomb our trading partners. So if we could increase our world trade and the com- countries we worked with, uh, it could have an impact on peace. So that kind of value underlying, you know, there are now people who are third and fourth generation IBMers because of the company itself. The fourth category that I discovered is sometimes it doesn't have anything to do with those things, but people are challenged to be the very best that they can be because they're working people with people who are the best. And I got to interview people who were one of five teams at Intel creating the next version of the Pentium chip. And boy, were they competitive. And they just, you know, felt like there was no place on earth that they could be paid to be doing the things they were doing. And they were thrilled to be challenged to be the very best uh, and be among the best. And then the fifth category is sometimes has nothing to do with any of those. And it's just that you love the people you work with. And um, I have numerous examples of people who are already kind of vested in the company and could retire, but they love the people they work with, and they would miss them if they weren't at work. So my question to listeners is always, you know, can't we build companies that, number one, have people feel good about the money they get? They're proud of the product or service. You know, they're proud of the company they work for. They're challenged to grow and change and be their best, and they enjoy the people they work with. What kind of a company would that be to work for? Well, I think it's a, a company who is committed to um, yeah. compassionate samurai, samurai principles <laughs> and really committed to a world 
um, that does work with everyone with nobody yeah. left out. And I love these domains that you're talking about because it can it can change around at any given time. It's it seems organic that sometimes you might be just challenged to do your best work, and you know that you're creating value out there in the world with your product and with your circle, and all of these are interwoven. And there's nothing better. Uh, we say this on the the Clemmer and Associates team. Uh, we call ourselves a, a pride of lions. And in the first mm-hmm. show, Kimberly Zink shared with us, you know, why do we we call ourselves a pride of lions. Well, that's because lions work together as a team. They have yeah. each other's back. And when you can go home at night and feel like you love the people you work with, it's a powerful life. It becomes an unstoppable kind of life. Exactly. Right. And it's really connected to, uh, if we move to the vision domain, what you talk is just said is a real bridge to an activity that I do that really has people get quite excited. I call it the new gold standard. We know that we're in a time of global systemic shift, you know, and change is faster and it's multidimensional and it's just, it has so many different aspects than it did even 10 years ago. Marilyn, Marilyn, let's do this. I want to hear all about the new gold standard and we are coming up with our second break already. So let's stay tuned. We're going to hear all about the gold standard. That sounds exciting. Gold and diamonds always excite me. So stay tuned. We're going to hear more from Kathy Fairbanks and Marilyn King. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network does your business like many face obstacles to becoming successful would you love to have an open forum of entrepreneurial ideas and best practices brought to you each week tune in for the second stage with hosts brendan anderson and jeffrey cadlick We'll spotlight entrepreneurs and growing companies that are creating a vibrant economic base, as well as addressing some of the obstacles that could be standing in the way of your success. Listen Mondays at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. If you're interested in gaining strategies to be more successful both at work and your personal life, check out Turn the Page with host Hemda Mizrahi. It's all about building new habits and perspectives. The show helps you identify the changes you need to make that align with your values and priorities. And then apply these principles to your career, health, social life, and other areas. These are proven techniques that work. Turn the Page airs live Fridays at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Business. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. To reach Kathy Fairbanks or her guest today, please call into our program at 1-866-472-5790. 
Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, the email address is kathy at CompassionateSamuraiShow.com. Now, back to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. Welcome back. I'm your host, Kathy Fairbanks, and we have our guest today, three-time Olympian Marilyn King. Marilyn has been sharing with us how she took her success from the pentathlon event from track and field and transferred or bridged that success into the business world as a world-class consultant and inspirational speaker. Just before we went to break, Marilyn shared with us a term called gold standard. So Marilyn, share with us what does this term mean? And how does it pl- apply to business success today? Yeah, <clears throat> sorry. Um, yeah, I, I call this the new the new gold standard. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm gonna have to take a sip of water here. That happens to the best of us. Yeah, yeah. The new gold standard uh, is we have been talking about passion and why people are passionate. And this is one of the many tools I use, but it really connects the passion and the vision domain in the Passion, Vision, Action trilogy of Olympian thinking. And it basically um, bridges that gap of recognizing that I'm going to use an example. Uh, uh, one of my clients is Oracle, and it's a team at Oracle who uh, used to be Sun Microsystem and got acquired. And they had all kinds of, you know, stressors and thinking about, you know, what's going to happen to them and their culture and being swallowed up by this big behemoth and stuff. And we help them uh, through the new gold standard recognize that um, Oracle itself really is or was the old gold standard. They were like number one in terms of their portfolio and what they do and the services that they provide, but they're not really the new gold standard. There are a lot of small, agile companies who are nipping at their heels and taking pieces of their business, but they're not clear, at least this team wasn't clear, on what's the new gold standard. What is it that we need to leave behind? What are the things that we really need to bring forward that are our strengths? And what are the new capabilities that we need to bring on board? So the new gold standard is really being absolutely crystal clear about what is the new gold standard, what are our strengths, where are our challenges, and what is the one thing, if we speed shift, which is another tool that I use, you know, how can we speed shift from where we are now relative to that trait or capability? and speed shift to being masterful at it. So give us an idea or an example of how a company who, uh, you know, they're working to keep their lights on and pay their bills, how does a company actually uh, cultivate this practice of speed shifting? Well, it's, if you have a company, as you described, that is that challenged, you are, and if you're in a leadership position, you know, you're heading an organization or a team that is stressed, you know, they're anxious, they're concerned about their individual and their collective future. That is not a high-performance mindset. But when you get really clear as a leader that you need to tell what I call a, a, a story of now that says, look, here's where we came from, here's where we are, but here's where we're going. This is the new gold standard, and here's, you know, the strengths that we have. We can do this because here are our core strengths, but we also have to make some changes. We have to speed shift, and that's where I teach teams how to use, just as I described at the beginning of our session, cognitive dissonance, that the mind can't hold two conflicting beliefs at the same time. Right. Um, I use a process in which 
we don't do cognitive dissonance by accident, which is what happened for me. We do it by design. So that by understanding how the mind works, you understand how to, now that you know what to focus on from the new gold standard, we use speed shifting to assist people in discovering how they can use cognitive dissonance, how they can engage the unconscious and subconscious mind to assist them in shifting quickly, to come up with new thoughts that lead to new behaviors and increase uh, the likelihood of producing the results that they're looking for. I absolutely love that. We together, yes. Yeah, they really do. It reminds I was just with a, a corporate client with Clemmer and Associates, and this is a corporate client in the behavioral health services field. And that's a field that can really endure from time to time a lot of compassion fatigue and mm-hmm. take on uh, some of the uh, struggles of their clients. And in working with their leadership team over a few years, and we've been working with this client for about four years now, they came to us 18 months ago and said, all right, we are really on board and we know that we are getting huge lift from the experiential corporate training that Clemmer and Associates delivers. What we have is a question for you. We're not satisfied with being a 30-year-old company that has just had um, natural organic growth. We want to take it to the highest level possible yeah. without getting our employees' work-life balance out of sync. I said, yeah. okay, what do you have in mind? And the question was posed to us, can we ask your support in producing five years of production five years of production into about 18 months time? And we said, yep. Send us your team members. Let's get everybody in alignment so they understand the language of leadership and personal responsibility and really what commitment looks like and holding honorable intentions as well as getting their intentions clear. And I'm proud to report the next month is going to be their 18th month. They've completed three acquisitions when they hadn't completed any um, two years ago in, in their entire industry. And they've gone from about 350 team members to just around 1,000. And they've gone from a $32 million company to an $85 million company. And their employee or team satisfaction skills are going through the roof and continue to get stronger and stronger and stronger. And that was their new gold standard. So very powerful. What other examples do you have with companies shifting and, and doing the speed shifting and to their new gold standard. Yeah, and and I just want to say, you know, building on what you were just saying, um, you know, there's a phrase that we hear and have heard for a long time about, you know, we can't work harder, we have to work smarter. And it's a nice phrase, but unless you really understand what that means, and, you know, that's why I feel so, you know, just really, um, you know, blessed to have discovered what I discovered, you know, out of my own athletic experience. But, um, it's like uh, one of my favorite examples in response to your question specifically was um, IKEA um, was experiencing a problem in Southeast Asia where there was a demand for three times the number of rugs and carpets that they were able to supply uh, to the marketplace through IKEA. And the people in these seven countries in Southeast Asia that were sourcing all of these rugs were very concerned because... Um, uh, these rugs were traditionally made in the home by the male, the head of household, and the sons. 
and they knew they couldn't just, you know, triple their production, and they couldn't bring them into, you know, a factory or a collective without destroying the fabric of of the uh, community. And so, you know, they brought me in, and, you know, exactly what we were talking about before, I didn't have the answer for them, but I provided them Olympian thinking skills and tools that allowed them to come up with solutions themselves. So uh, it's not about, you know, working harder and going out and going to many more places to get more rugs. It's about working smarter as opposed to working harder, but understanding how the mind works so that you can do that. So that's not just a trite phrase. Well, it's so powerful. I know a lot of times in our, in our workshops, I actually hear facilitators when, when we're asked a question, the response goes back to that team member, someone on your team has the answer yes. because they do. They always well, have the yes. answer. And that's why the, the new gold standard is so powerful. It's like the new gold standard for what this company or this team needs to look like doesn't come from the C-suite. The new gold standard, you, you need and you must mine the collective wisdom of all the stakeholders. So yes, the C-suite has input, but so does the team who works on the ground, so do your suppliers, so do your customers, so does the community. So we draw information about what is the new gold standard for this organization, but you're drawing information from all of those places and then combining it in very particular ways that is very brain-friendly and then noticing what you're already doing well and you want to keep doing well and then what, where, where is the leverage point and what is the thing that we want to focus on in speed shift because it really is about mining the collective wisdom of everybody out there who are stakeholders in what you do. Well, I, I absolutely couldn't agree with you uh, and underscore that even more. Now, I want to shift gears for just a second, and um, it's a little off topic, but I think it's also an important topic. Uh, when we met a few years ago, I shared with you as I was just beginning to get my feet under me as a speaker and as a spokesperson for the training work that, that Clemmer & Associates uh, does, I mentioned to you from time to time, I would be too reliant on my notes and I, I never wanted to, to walk up to a podium ever with notes and I knew this material I know it at a heart level as well as a head level but yet I would get to a podium and I might forget a portion of what I wanted to convey to the audience and I'd forget that from time to time and I'll never forget because Marilyn you've been just such an incredible mentor you looked at me and you said well you know what you could put into place mind mapping yeah. Now, I went to business school, and I got to tell you, they never covered mind mapping in the business school that I went to. I understand that it's taught and really a foundational core piece if you're in the field of education, but yeah. I missed out on that. Would you share with the listeners the power of mind mapping? Yeah, and um, mind mapping really, again, just calls on what we now understand about how the brain, how the mind works. And working in logical linear words and notes and indentations and all of that, it all looks the same to the mind until you actually read the word, which then creates an image. But when you're a public speaker, that's really not going to be very helpful unless you keep your eyes down, you know, or at least you've got it memorized. But mind mapping is really, it's like visual note-taking, 
But um, the way it works is you put some kind of a visual thing, you know, like if I'm um, map, mind mapping a book that I'm reading, I might draw a little schematic of a book and put the title of it right in the middle of my page. And then I'll draw spokes of the wheel. And the first, you know, spoke might be about, you know, the first chapter that has to do with, you know, where does this come from? So you use, you know, little drawings and visuals and maybe, you know, one, two or three words that capture what that's about. So now I can look down at my notes if I'm a public speaker and uh, know that, you know, in the introduction, I've got a couple of data points uh, from some statistics about this company and maybe a name or two, but, you know, it's really the story that I read about this company's founder that I want to be telling, and I don't have sure. to read the story. Yeah, the other exactly. thing that's really powerful, Kathy, is, you know, you know coming from, uh, you know, just understanding what I do about the mind, I never wanted to be a public speaker and was terrified like most people are, <laughs> but because of what I know, I created three C's. And I just started telling myself, I am comfortable, I am confident, and I am connected. And the reason why that worked is because when I say comfortable, it's like, oh, I know sometimes in my life and places and, and situations in which I'm comfortable. I know what that feels like. Mm. Hmm, what would that feel like on stage? Well, that was a little new. I'm I confident. I know what that feels like in some other places. What would that look like on stage? What would that feel like? And I am connected. Oh, I know how to do it over here. How do I bring that to my public speaking? So, you know, it took me quite a while, but I am comfortable, I am confident, and I feel very connected to my audience. Wow, that's another great tool for anybody. It doesn't matter whether or not you're standing up, making a presentation to the boardroom. Uh, That's another powerful tool. With that, we're going to go on our final break. There's more information that we want to hear today from Marilyn King that you can put in place within minutes of this call closing. Stay tuned for the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Get a unique and playful insider's take on the biggest stories in tech, media, and entertainment. Join Lori H. Schwartz, well-known technology catalyst, comedian, and geek girl, as she and leading experts in the media and content business dive into the biggest stories in technology trends, consumer behaviors, and its impact on Hollywood. If you're looking to respond to the tech-fueled changes in the marketplace, then tune in to the Tech Cat Show Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business and syndicated to Voice America Women's Channel. Do you know how to tell a great story? In business, the stories you tell play a big role in your success. Whether you're trying to get more clients or influence people as a leader, storytelling will help you do it. Story Powered with Leanne Pico is here to help you activate your storytelling superpower to build a better business and achieve your goals and dreams. Story Powered can be heard live every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 
We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. are listening to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. To reach Kathy Fairbanks or her guest today, please call into our program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, the email address is kathy at compassionatesamuraishow.com. Now, back to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. Welcome back, and thanks for joining us today. We have our guest, Marilyn King, and she's been sharing with us all kinds of nuggets and morsels that you can take home with you and uh, apply to your business practice, whether it's public speaking or whether it's really getting clear with your vision and your passion and your action and making sure those are in alignment. So today, one of the questions that I have for Marilyn is, I've been blessed with some just absolutely amazing mentors. And of course, one of those is the founder of Clemmer and Associates, Brian Clemmer. And then a modern day mentor for me is the president of Clemmer and Associates, Kimberly Zink. Now, I'm going to reflect back on one of the things that Brian referred to you or one of the the compliments I think he paid to (laughs) you was you as a merchant of hope. And I just love to hear what is your hope for businesses today? Where can they take this hope and put it out there in the world? Oh, well, that's, that's a, I'm delighted at the question because I think it's pretty clear to most people in business if they stop and think about it that we're in a time in which information is ubiquitous and people can find out anything about you and your company pretty much. And sure. people really don't want to work for companies that, you know, destroy the environment or mistreat their workers. They don't want to buy from companies, you know, who aren't in integrity around those issues. So I think most companies, while they're clear that that's a good thing, just don't really quite know how to get there or have the bandwidth to do that. So it's one of the great things about Olympian thinking because it, it have, we have tools to assist people in aligning the people in their organization so that they really are passion-powered, have that vision of what kind of a company do we need to be so that people really want to work here and want to buy or do business with us, uh, and what do we need to put into place uh, with daily practice in order to speed shift from where we are to being that kind of company that we're really proud of in the marketplace. Wonderful. Now, would you share with uh, the listeners a little bit, who are some of the, the mentors that you've really learned and excelled with uh, over your professional career? Um, well, they live in a couple of different domains. Uh, one of my f- favorite people was the, uh, the founder of Visa, uh, D. Hawk. And uh, he came from pretty humble beginnings as a bank clerk and then wound up being tasked with uh, trying to solve the problems when bank cards uh, first came out and were just rife with all kinds of, you know, fraud and problems and all of that. And uh, he was just really, uh, just a really fine human being and and taught me some really basic underlying things that that stay with me today. One of my very favorite mentors, uh, we can step outside the business world, but, you know, into the scientific world, Willis Harmon who was head of the Institute of Noetic Sciences, was a futurist. 
and if you look at the Passion Vision Action Framework, um, one of the things that he said that stuck with me was in, just in terms of the future of peace on the planet. He said, Marilyn, the negative belief that peace is not possible is the greatest impediment to achieving peace. So no matter how much you want it, and even if you know some things that you can do, if you've got some stinking thinking and you don't really believe it's possible or that it will make a difference, you won't move into action. Well, so. let's talk about let's talk about peace for a moment because I know that's something that's near and dear to your heart, and it was something that bubbled up uh, post Olympics for you. Would would you share your passion for uh, peace, and not only your passion, your vision, and your action now today regarding peace in the world? Well, everything I do is trued up to a belief I have. I know that we're at a moment in time in which, you know, we could see the next evolution of peace in my lifetime and that we really can speed shift to that when we shift people's thinking. So that's why I do the work I do in the business world to assist businesses in shifting from the kinds of companies that maybe got away with practices that are really no longer viable and won't be in the future. It's like speed shift or die. You know, if you don't move up to the new gold standard and what businesses need to be, you will be extinct. But uh, that is helping to create a better and more peaceful world. I'm in the process of launching a global initiative where we use Olympians worldwide as kind of the magnetic attractors so kids want to learn to think like Olympians, not just about their own lives, but about their community and to collaborate with kids in other countries around things that matter to them. And the third part is elevating the International Day of Peace as a day in which people can become not well informed about the problems relative to peace, but really be able to see the whole picture of the incredible positive things and trends that are happening uh, that are the foundational building blocks for peace. So I'm going to recommend that people can go to gapminder.org, which is G-A-P-minder.org, and learn about the Ignorance Project. And uh, you get to see just, you know, um, all of the mistaken notions and all of the things that people don't know and all of the um, uh, beliefs that they have that are not founded uh, on facts anymore relative to uh, the prospects for the next evolution of peace. So thank you for asking that. Kathy. Of course, of course. And that's gapminder.org just to yeah. uh, pique your curiosity. And I love the fact that you're tying peace in to the youth around the world because we know oh, yeah. foundationally these youth are the business leaders of tomorrow. So if we can capture them around ethical business practices, um, yeah. the peace will certainly follow or vice versa. No doubt about that. Marilyn, how can our listeners learn more about you, you as a speaker, you as a consultant, and you in terms of um, an offering products and, and services that you offer as a company. Where do they go to find out about Maryland? Yeah. So they can go to uh, www.waybeyondsports.com. So it's not sports, it's not beyond sports, it's way beyond sports. Okay, so that's www.waybeyondsports.com. W-A-Y-B-E-Y-O-N-D-S-P-O-R-T-S. All right. Very good. Waybeyondsports.com. Powerful. Well, Marilyn, as we close out here, is there anything that you would like to share uh, that's top of mind for you to share with the listeners today? 
Yeah, just that by going to my website, there are two real quick and easy ways to get involved and start to put these things into practice. Uh, One is a CD that I produced called Begin Your Day the Olympian Way, and it just takes you through a process of the most important daily practice, in my opinion, that's common to all people who succeed. Uh, And the other is a 21-day club. If you're looking for more support, uh, a colleague of mine from SE Systems created a fabulous online capability called the 21-day club which gives you a year's worth of support in putting this brain science uh, into play. So those are two good places to start. And, of course, I do lots of keynote speaking and consulting with companies. Wonderful. Well, Marilyn, it's an absolute treat to have you on the show today and what you shared about the three pillars of Olympian thinking and getting that passion and vision and action in alignment to create uh, extraordinary success. And and quite possibly, I think you're setting yourself up for a paradigm shift uh, in a company. And then also thinking about the gold standard, not the old gold, not the way it used to be, but the gold standard that takes us into the future. I love that new gold standard. So Marilyn, thank you again for being a guest on today's show. I appreciate the invitation and I just really love the work that you're doing with the Compassionate Samurai and Clemmer and Associates. Thank you. You bet. It is truly, truly my honor and my privilege. Now, next week, we are going to change gears just a little bit, and I'm going to take you through the lens of what it looks like to go from being a professional chiropractor out there and launching a brand new product. Our guest is Dr. Pam Fowers, and she has a successful chiropractic practice and a few years ago developed a product. So she's going to take us through the Kickstarter program and all the ups and downs and the roller coaster ride of what it's like to utilize compassionate samurai principles and really underscoring those tenants while you launch a product that is to go worldwide. So I'm excited and I, I trust that you'll join and enjoy the show. Thank you so much. This has been the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour with your host, Kathy Fairbanks. Until next time, we challenge you to become extraordinary in an ordinary world. Thank you for tuning into our show. You can hear the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until next week's show, be sure to take action and create your own success.